Look, mate. Three generations ago, my ancestors forged the Great Blade Skull Splitter. With it, they won the Goblin Wars, the Hobgoblin Wars, the Orc Wars, the Demon Wars, the Elf Wars, and the Gelatinous Cube Wars. And that one doesn't even make sense, because they don't have skulls. Now, all these years later, the legend of the Great Skull Splitter grows. Offering dice to help you create your own legends, Skull Splitter Dice makes the highest quality dice beautiful dice of both plastic and metal. Want to roll bones that look like bones? Or just something with enough heft to split the skulls of your enemies? Skull Splitter Dice has that and more. Check them out now at SkullSplitterDice.com slash Tomeshow and use the coupon code Tomeshow with all little letters and get 15% off. Now get out there, split some skulls, and build some legends. Welcome to the D&D Roundtable. Your premier source for D&D news. We cover everything D&D from Wizards of the Coast. We cover updates from the convention circuit. We cover new and exciting products, casts and streams, and events for D&D. We cover happenings in organized play. If it's D&D related, we cover it here. Music, Industrious Ferret, is by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey, we'd really appreciate it if you dropped us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks! Today on the D&D Roundtable, we have a very exciting uh, interview for everyone. So... These people uh, went to The Descent. It was the big event that Wizards of the Coast put on in LA where D&D's next story was unveiled. As you may have seen from literally anywhere on the internet, uh, they announced a product called Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. And we have a couple of guests on here that are going to tell us all about what went down. So... We're going to start with a get-to-know-you question. As you answer the get-to-know-you question, after that, we're going to go into introductions so our listeners will know who y'all are. Do you want, do you want to do the introduction question there, uh, there, Jenny, or you want me to? Yeah, no, of course. All right, so the introduction question for today is going to be, what is your favorite game that isn't D&D? Uh, let's see. Jeremy, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say the game that I enjoy the most is probably Castlevania Symphony of the Night, if we're talking about video games. Any and game. Yeah, this will be the, my 20th year in a row playing it. It's kind of my uh, thing to do when I go to the cottage once a year with uh, my player c- group. So, is, so this is a computer game, right? It originally was for the Sony PlayStation. 
Mm -hmm. And it's been put out on pretty much a whole bunch of systems since. I usually play it now on the Xbox One. I feel okay, like... and you play it. You play the same video game every year. Yeah. I feel what? Like what is real it? old all of a sudden? Sorry there. Right. right? <laughs> what? What is it about this game that has you so hooked? Uh, the music soundtrack is really cool, and the game is just so fluid, and it's got a bit of the puzzles to it. Really simple story, um, and. It's got you know different secrets and stuff, so it's just fun. Well, that sounds that that sounds awesome. Uh, Amy, what is your favorite game that isn't D&D? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jeremy, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I wasn't sure if we were waiting for introductions, but uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy Johnston. I live in the Toronto area in Canada, and I'm a community organizer for a group that we called Unite the Factions and we run uh, Dungeons and Dragons events pretty much every month, um, epics and at uh, local conventions. You may also recognize Jeremy from all the selfies that he takes with literally everyone at any convention that he goes to. Yes, I am the photo guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Amy, then your favorite game. Uh, I'm going to have to go classic uh, Tetris. Um, I've been playing Tetris since uh, it was out on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. And I've pro- played probably every iteration of it since. It's uh, it's sort of soothing and puzzly. And uh, I just picked up a version on, of all things, the PlayStation 4 that has an amazing soundtrack and sort of... Um, trippy graphics so I'll just sit there in the dark and zone out and let my brain relax as I fit puzzle pieces together and that's that's what I like to do and it sounds like that is a game you really like because it relaxes your brain it does it uh it I sort of zone out um my husband knows not to bother me too much when I'm tetrising (laughs) um but yeah, it's it's just a really sort of it helps me unwind, and it sort of I think helps improve my uh, my spatial relations and and thinking. After um, my day job is very um, precise and analytical, and this this lets me use a different half of my brain. I bet you like Doctor Mario too, don't you? I do. <laughs> oh God, I love that game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am Amy Lynn DeZora. I live outside of the Philadelphia area, um, and I am the newest community manager for the D&D Adventures League admin team. And everyone will recognize you, of course, from all of your super cheerful and polite posts on uh-huh. all of the groups. Thank you. Hopefully... Uh, Hopefully that's where they recognize me from, <laughs> as opposed to being angry at me on the internet. Um, I also have very colorful hair. Uh, I would tell you what color it is now, but that might change by the time your podcast goes live. So very you true. never know. Very true. It, you know what? It is unicorn colored. It is. I like that. Okay, so The Descent, then. You you were both there in varying capacities, so... I'm sure from like an insider's perspective, as it were, um, what was kind of your favorite p- 
part of the descent. I will defer to Jeremy on that one since he had a completely different experience that I did. Okay, so um, as a fan experience, uh, I thought it was great to be there for the initial announcement. I was especially uh, happy to see that Adventures League was kind of featured there uh, with the ability to even play an epic. Um, the experience overall in the kind of vendors hall was pretty extraordinary. They had actors who really did an amazing job playing different roles of monsters and creatures that we're familiar with, uh, you know, in hell. And they, they really, really played the part. You know, it was really hard to even attempt to get them out of their roles. And the little kind of game that they had set up there for everyone to play to kind of earn their soul and get their way out of hell um, was really creative. And it was a lot of hard work. It wasn't easy. So so what was this game? How did you get your soul back? Well, they had different quests. And so there were different quest givers that would then, you know, kind of give you breadcrumbs to lead you to other things that you kind of had to find out for yourself. So uh, some of them came from goblins or imps. Sometimes you would turn it in with a uh, Raksasha or you might, you know, have to gamble with a wizard. Um, or even sing for a bard <laughs> or uh, do some things I will not ever say. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like some true dungeon stuff. You gotta uh, really get into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Madam Maggie made us do some pretty awful things. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, since it's apparently unmentionable I you know let's not get into that maybe take it offline Amy you did have a different experience you were more of a participant how was that it was it was incredible actually um we weren't really sure what our roles as admins were going to be um before we showed up um but when we got to LA we were given a time and uh, to to be at the the costuming area across the stage or across the road from the main stage where D and D Live was happening, um, we were put into costumes and given makeup, and um, we were some of the roaming NPCs during the uh, each session of um, the season nine epic um, Infernal Pursuits. So we normally there's wandering monsters, and it's you know, you you just wander around and throw dice at people, well, at their characters. Um, but we went to the nines. There were costumes and props, and um, it was it was just really intense and amazing and overwhelming and a little surreal to be to be part of a game that was bringing in. Some of the players had never played D and D before. They had only watched on shows like Critical Role or read about it online. Wait, wait, just a minute. So, so these people never played D and D before, and they're paying three hundred bucks. Is that what tickets cost to come to this crazy huge event? Yes, some of them did. Um, talking to some of the DMs after, you know, they go through a checklist. You know, have you played Adventures League before? Have you played Fifth Edition before? Some people. They're enormously interested in D and D as a cultural thing um, because they're watching it online and they're reading about it, and they might go to the Penny Arcade events where um, 
ASS Acquisitions Incorporated has their their live games, or they might watch Critical Role or some of the other streaming shows, but they might not have had a place to play. Um, so there were brand new D&D players there. So Paige, in defense of these people who'd never played, they're paying $300 for the chance to meet some of their favorite streaming celebrities who play D&D and make it what it is in their imagination, which people have paid way more than that for stuff like that. No, no, I, I completely agree. I was just kind of stunned because it's like, uh, like if that's their first experience playing D&D, it might never get any better for them. Oh, it might yeah, be yeah, all downhill from there. Oh, that's true. That yeah, is like, true because it's like that epic was the most epic of epics with, you know, everybody dressing up and playing the parts and the ambient music and the sound effects that they had from Sirenscape. So, yeah, it was the most epic of epics for sure. And I really need to do more soundboard things when I run games or run games at all. I need to do that too. So... <laughs> So maybe tell us more about this epic, like from as a player from Jeremy and from as a NPC slash staff from Amy. Well, oh, it's gonna be run other places too, so we don't want to give away too much about it. But oh yeah, 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 no, no, like spoilers, but just kind of like impressions. <laughs> okay, so as a player. Uh, well, first off, it's the season nine uh, epic. It's the first one called Infernal Pursuits, and that's as much as I'll spoil. But uh, one thing that was kind of neat versus other epics that I've played is that uh, the actors who were there uh, had actually memorized their lines, so they weren't reading from it. And they really did a good job of you know, walking around the room and interacting with people and as well as when they were delivering their, you know, speeches at certain key points of the epic, you know, they were walking around, uh, you know, really getting their voice out there and doing a great job doing so. Um, and there were a lot of interactive elements within it. Uh, having not read it myself as a DM, I'm not sure how that translates, but, you know, winning your soul back is kind of a theme with I guess this whole storyline, and it, it uh, you know it features well in the epic without giving too much away. Was the epic for uh, multiple tiers, multiple level bands? Uh, yeah, the first and second tiers, so levels one through four, and uh, five through ten. Okay, like that's that's information without being a spoiler in particular. Yeah. What about you, Amy? What was it like as a as an NPC? It was a lot of fun. Um, I think we had eighteen to twenty tables at one time, um, and everyone was, uh, I think, a little in awe of some of the theatricality of it. Uh, like Jeremy uh, mentioned, it's it it is an epic epic. You know, the bar has been has been set. Um, and being able to, one of the things that I love most about my job as a community manager is getting to interact with so many different people in the community at events. And this was sort of, um, along that 
same lines, but on a, on a grand scale, you know, players were coming in costume and DMs were in costume and everyone was just having such a good time. Um, it was all a little over the top. Um, but there, I think there were three separate sets of wandering NPCs. Um, and there were a couple of twists and turns along the way uh, for for the players as a result of um, their actions. For anyone who hasn't played uh, an Adventures League epic before, there are multi-table events where every table is playing their own adventure, but it's part of a larger effort for a larger um, task. So... Um, the actions of your table, whether you fail or succeed in your quest, you can affect the overall outcome of the four hour session. So um, I've I've sometimes explained it to people in the past where an epic might be where you have six tables or 10 tables or 20 tables of D&D players and you're playing out an assault on a castle. So those 10 tables over there are doing the frontal assault on the front gate. Those five tables over there are trying to dig a tunnel under with sappers. And those other five tables over there, they're trying to sneak over the wall. So if the sneak over the wall tables are successful, they can open the front gates, which lets all 10 tables in the front gates. So they tend to have interacting parts where what one table does affects what happens to the larger story and to other tables. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there were some really fun elements for this epic, too. Well, one where, uh, you know, again, without giving anything away, there was something that one player in the entire room was able to do something that affected the entire room. Uh, And unfortunately, it was negative. Uh Oh, everybody got got their payback against that one person in the end. Nice. Nice. So who who actually wrote this epic? Was it um, Will Doyle and James Intracasso? I feel like that's what Sean I well. And Sean Merwin. Oh, yeah. boy. It's like the Holy Trinity right there. Yeah, that's... and they were in attendance, which is amazing. That's like a triple threat right there. This is, this is we're in for some trouble, everybody. <laughs> well, they at least had James to temper it down a little bit. So I don't know. I just finished work with James on a project. And yeah. uh, he, he did not temper me. He did a good job of encouraging me, so we'll see how that goes. To be fair, also, he, he wrote the thing that Paige just based her con off of, and I believe that was what terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, James Intercasso wrote a an adventure for the DMs Guild, which is not Adventurers League, called um, Invasion from the Planet of the Tarasks. And, uh, and in it, uh, Halaster has basically freaking had it with these stupid adventurers on his lawn. And so he summons up a bunch of Tarasks and gets them to try and flatten Waterdeep. And the adventurers are welcome to stop him if they can. Uh, and I, working with him, as well as several other people in the Atlanta area, notably my husband, Ben Heisler, uh, Sam Shupp, uh, Sean Banerjee, and Elizabeth Banerjee, we created a, a convention based around that, a game day based around that, where we spent all day playing it with 10 tables of level 20 characters, and it was chaos. It was great. <laughs> our, our big twist there was that uh, somebody made a deal with a resident of the Nine Hells uh, for to get some help against the Tarasks, which turned around and absolutely screwed over everybody else at the con. It was great. Ooh. Oh, weird. 
bad things happening with making a deal with a demon. You know, it's like it's a theme. <laughs> so speaking of, of making deals with a demon and that's the theme, uh, what kind of sneak peeks for Descent into Avernus were dropped at the Descent? I was fortunate enough to get uh, kind of a front seat to the opening ceremonies. And so for anybody who watches the streams, uh, you'll get most of the, the information there. But uh, it was nice that they kind of showed off, you know, each one of the products that they were coming out with, and not just, you know, uh, Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus, but also a lot of the uh, other products that they're coming out with, like, you know, Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons is getting a box set. And one thing that's really neat is the Essentials Kit, of which I think the, the most exciting thing in there is that you get a code in there for D&D Beyond to unlock it on D&D Beyond. It would be nice if they did that with more D&D products. Wait, wait, I just want to be clear. I understand what you're saying. You say if you buy the Rick and Morty box set. Oh, oh no, the Essentials Kit. Oh, the Essentials Kit. You can unlock it on D&D Beyond automatically. Yeah, they said that there's a code there wow. as well as a, as well as a discount code to buy the player's handbook. So it sounds like there so there's a lot of people who have been howling like banshees because they want that so bad because they're like, "Well, I paid full price for the book. I don't know why I have to pay full price for it and beyond." That's like saying, "Well, I bought the hardback book. I don't understand why I'm not getting the Kindle version with it." Uh, well, well, if you buy it on Amazon, sometimes you do. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you do, but in generally, if you buy, but they're different. If you buy them from different companies, if you go to a Books a Million and buy a book, I don't even know that Books a Million even exists anymore. But if you go to a bookstore and buy <laughs> it, a book, that it, doesn't get you the Kindle. It does. Books a Million carries an excellent selection of pop figures. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <Good. laughs> I know this. Comic books uh, do it too. Comic books often come with a code, you know, that basically unlocks the digital version. But really, yeah. it'd be neat if they just increased the price of all the books by like five bucks and then just included a code. You know, if the math works out that, you know, that would pay for, you know, everything on D&D Beyond, that'd be cool. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who've been howling for that, so it would be interesting. This must be them testing it to see Perhaps. how it goes. Now, they also said that it unlocks future content that comes out uh, in the same storyline because this is a, a sequel to The Lost Minds of Fendelver. I want it just for that. That's a little, uh, I, it, I was sold on that. I'm like, I don't need any of this. Yeah. But I'm getting it. Totally. And I think it's an exclusive at Target uh, this month until wide release in September. Yeah, I don't want to go to Target right now. So we I'm, don't even have Target in Canada. Oh no. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm old. I'm just saying the idea that I could buy D and D stuff at Target, like that, blows my mind. And it's an exclusive there. Yeah, like it's like the. We've gone mainstream. They've been selling the starter set for a couple of years now. Uh, Target actually surprisingly has a pretty good uh, game section. They don't sell just, you know, your standard Monopoly, Trouble, sorry. Like, they, they, they get some of those uh, Euro games and stuff. So they're trying to oh. capture that demographic, the people who are like, 
we don't want boring games. I mean, not that, actually, yes, Monopoly is boring. I said it. There we go. It is, and it just starts fights. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of cool. I guess I will go to Target. Do you need me to go to Target on your behalf? <laughs> I think I might go down there um, next month when I'm at Queen City Conquest uh, in the Buffalo area. Oh, nice. That'll be fun. Okay, so one thing that I noticed, I didn't get to watch like a lot of it online because I was, I have no idea what I was doing. I was doing something where I was un- unable to be at a computer, though. And I don't know which room it was in, which which stream it was on, but they had this amazing terrain set up like front and center of the big table that they were playing at. Did either of you get like a closer look at that and can tell me more about it? Because it looked ballin'. That was actually in the main hall where um, some of the main panels were happening as well as Epic. Um, and I believe that was put together by Dwarven Forge. Oh yeah, no, it was definitely Dwarven Forge. I could tell that. That was, it was probably at least uh six to nine feet long um i everyone was taking pictures of it but yet that was in the front of the table where all of the the main panels were held held and that was the same tables that um the uh james and sean and will were using as their um admin table for the epics naturally naturally they were sitting right there in hell (laughs) story checks out oh man I think, um, I think actually I just saw that they're doing, Dwarven Forge is doing a Kickstarter for some infernal terrain, so I guess that was probably like a really good Provo opportunity for them. But man, man was that impressive. Oh yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And the detail on it, like I took some photos, but the, the detail on it is just incredible. Like every time you look at it, there's something new that you can, that you can find and see. Yeah. Oh man. Thanks, Stefan. <laughs> yeah, they had Infernal War Machines there as well, which is part of the new storyline. So pretty. Oh, aren't those yeah. going to be like the the big mini, um, I guess, like yes. the case incentive? There we go. That's right. Uh, they will be coming from WizKids, and I also think that uh, they're going to have a special edition one in the Beetle and Grimm's Platinum Edition box set as well that comes with some kind of add-on weapons and such. Ooh, I expect that uh, Jonathan Connor self will have that, and perhaps I will get to see it with my own eyes. <sighs> oh, it, it's a certainty he will. I mean, I highly suspected it. I just had to drive down to see him. <laughs> okay. Um... Paige, I don't even I don't even know where to start. So, I guess we I guess we can kind of talk about the the streams. There are two of the games. Did you get to watch many of the the live stream games? Well, I mean, obviously, Jeremy, you did. So, uh, some of the streams were live in the stage area where the epic uh, was when the epic was not being played in that main area, and then they had some others set up kind of in the vendor hall where uh, they were kind of you know in their own little studios. Uh, so there wasn't an opportunity to watch those live. So they had uh, two on Friday after the initial announcement, and then they had um, actually th- they actually had three. Sorry, they had one before the announcement, and then two after the announcement, and then they had two more on the Saturday. 
so I did get to see uh, the first one before the announcement. That was Deborah Ann Wall's game, which was great. And uh, I have to admit that I don't actually watch any of the streams just because I'm playing D&D so much. <laughs> but uh, it was great to see. And then I saw Jeremy's game uh, after that. And I did get some great photos. So if you need any photos, uh, let me know. Oh, yeah, I saw some of your photos on your uh, Facebook, a few of them. Great. I mean, of course they are, but yeah. And you well, got... I was lucky because I was sitting right in front of the DM's chair, front row. And you got a lot of really good selfies, too, while you were there. <laughs> so how did you get that good chair? I mean, do you, do you have to buy, like, special tickets for that, or it's just first come, first serve? It was kind of weird because we were outside just hanging out while they were letting a whole bunch of people in. And so when we walked in, there was already probably about 50 people in there, but nobody was sitting in the front row. So I was like, why don't we just go sit there? So we just lucked out before the kind of full crowd came in. And taking the initiative. There you go. Amy, were you trying to say something? Oh, sorry. I was I was complimenting Jeremy on his "don't mind if I do" uh, <laughs> attitude, just sitting up front, because that's the way you make it happen. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, did you? Uh, well, I know Amy, you were busy being in costume and stuff, but what else did you get to enjoy at the event? Uh, I got to wander around the uh, the marketplace where some of the the Watsi, or I guess the the D and D live sponsors were hanging out um, and selling their wares. So there was um, a Beetle and Grim booth. There was Death Saves. Um, Wormwood Gaming was there. Um, oh gosh, the DM's Guild was there. Um, the company <gasps> they oh. had books that I worked on there. I was like. They had beautiful, like, hardcover books in person because I guess they're working on their print-on-demand services. So they had um, the first volume of the Uncaged anthology. Oh. Right? Yeah. Um, I actually took my copy of Uncaged with me um, in case any of the authors were there to have them sign it. But then I was too shy to actually talk to anyone. So that's that's the story of my life. Um uh, but yeah, they had, I think WizKids was there, um, the company that is making the new mobile game, um, the D&D Ludia. has put out. Yeah, Warriors of Waterdeep? Yes, that one. Yeah, Ludia from Montreal. Oh, wonderful. Oh, oh fancy. Getting all the Canadians. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who else was there. Um, but yeah, they had probably a dozen different vendors um and then the cosplayers uh and the actors as part of the event were walking around uh in the marketplace as well and like jeremy was saying there was um like a scavenger hunt that there were different people that you needed to talk to and get clues from and there were little tasks and um, i'm actually the the puzzly part of my mind is sad that i didn't get to participate in that um but I probably wouldn't have gotten anything else done the entire weekend. So it's probably for the best. 
Um, but yeah, the, the marketplace was there. And then right off the marketplace was where the little mini streaming booths were. And they were glass on one side. So you could watch um, the little mini studio streams going live. Um, you couldn't hear what was going on. But a lot of the, the participants were very, um, they emote well with their hands and their body language. So that was fun. So I, I have another question. So one of the things that uh, was always hyped about these things is get D&D exclusive merchandise in your swag bag. What did you get in the swag bag? So uh, I will say that not all swag bags were the same. I, oh, noticed. I didn't know that. Yeah, so some people got uh, toques or uh, a winter hat. Beanies. Okay, beanies. <laughs> um, and that was that said Warriors of Waterdeep on it from Ludia. I did not receive one of those, but I did see other people pulling them out of their bags. Some people got um, dragon miniatures that were unpainted from Wizkids. Um, lucky for me, I didn't because it wouldn't fit on my carry-on with all the other swag that I got. <laughs> but I did get like a you know cleric mini. Um, there was some metal dice and non-metal dice, a couple of dice bags, different pins, uh, different discount codes for like DMs Guild. Um, there was some unlocks for Sirenscape and Roll20. And uh, we also got the book, uh, the, the new um, Saltmarsh book, the, just the standard edition Yes. Uh, special edition cover. I was kind of hoping that it would have been a special edition cover, but um, I picked up one of those two anyways. <laughs> Not there, of course. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of the vendors had um, some exclusives there that were, um, you know, the new uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus themed. Wormwood had some of their boxes that had demonic script, uh, a language that was also Ooh. being used in some of the quests. Because you had to get um, some uh, contracts signed or pieced together as part of the scavenger hunt that also featured the same text. Uh, there were some exclusive pins um, that Death Saves had, as well as a couple of the other vendors as well. Uh, Acquisitions Incorporated had uh, one there as well, um, you know, at the PAX. Uh, vendor booth, which was kind of cool, and they were promoting the new book that came out today, for Acquisitions Incorporated, which... which is really cool art in it, and I'm excited. Totally, um, yeah, I, I cracked it open today when it arrived, and I have yet to read through it, but it looks amazing. Gonna make a franchise, yeah. eventually, maybe. <laughs> Did you get anything different in, in in a swag bag, Amy? Those all sound pretty similar to what I had. Um, my bag had a keychain with the D&D ampersand on it from Wormwood. And I also got some really pretty art pieces. Um, one featured the um, Descent artwork by Fiona Staples, who I adore. So that one I'll probably frame and put up on my wall. Um, but I think, I think you covered just about everything that was in our and even the bag itself was beautiful it's like a really nice black canvas square tote with the um the Baldur's Gate logo on one side I will say 
I was extremely lucky to have great friend, and I got a little bit of swag from the descent myself. I got a um, Displacer Beast shirt from Death Saves. Um, it's basically a night shirt on me, but I like it anyways. And I got a, uh, a Mimic uh, pin because <laughs> you never have enough pins. <laughs> I'm real excited. Um, so was there special swag that you got from like playing the game to get your soul back? Like what, what did you get at the end of that? Uh, it's a soul coin. Ooh, what is a soul coin? So very similar to the coins that they did last year for Waterdeep. Uh, this is a metal piece. This one's it's about as big as the palm of your hand, and it's got the symbol for Baldur's Gate on it. Yeah, it's about as big around as like a can of Coke on the bottom, almost. It's pretty cool. I have one. That's the other thing I got. Yeah, they're they're beautiful and they're heavy, and uh, those were. Um were all over the place uh, at the descent. They were part of um, the scavenger hunt, and I think some of the celebs were also passing them out just as, oh, hey. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, um, I think, unfortunately, we are going to have to cut this one short. We had a little bit of a, a time crunch to record this. Um, so do we want to just go ahead and do the wrap then, Paige? Page is muted. Oh, I am muted. Sure. I had a cat howling in the background. Okay. Um, so just tell everyone where they can find you online then, and we'll go ahead and wrap this. And I'm sure we'll actually have a lot more to talk about in the Descent and Descent-related things in future podcasts, all the new products, that is. Uh, so, Jeremy, why don't you go first, tell everyone where to find you, and then you can get out of here. <laughs> sure. Okay. So, uh you can find our website, unitethefactions.com, uh, and my Twitter handle is at John Solo. J-O-H-N or J-O-N? J-O-H-N-S-O-L-O. Okay. Han Solo was taken. <laughs> Amy, what about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at L-A-D-Y-D-Z-R-A, Lady Dezora. And I am all over the, um, the Adventures League internet Facebook groups. Um, so if anyone wants to find me on Facebook, I'm probably popping up in there. You can find me there. You can find me on Twitter at Jenny Loveday. That's G-I-N-N-Y-L-O-V-E-D-A-Y. You can find me on Facebook at the same name, and you can find me on Instagram now at exactly the same name because Paige gave me enough crap about it being difficult. <laughs> Paige? You can find me on Twitter at Paige Lightman. That's spelled P-A-I-G-E. L-E-I-T-M-A-N you can find me on Facebook at the same address or if you go to the 5th edition Facebook group, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons Facebook group, you can certainly find me there. You can find the round table on Twitter at D letter N D round table. You can email us at D letter N D round table at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook under D and D round table. Um, please um, leave us a comment, feedback, review. We'd love to hear from you. Anything that you want to hear about, 
um, or just if you want to tell us we're great, tell us we suck, tell us, I don't know, whatever you want to tell us. Um, we'd love to hear from all of you. That is it, though, for this edition of The Roundtable. Uh, stay tuned till next time.